All right. I want to thank everyone, too, who played and prayed in our first annual golf tournament yesterday for your participation in that. Arthur and Greg did an incredible job and were helped greatly by Michael Higgins and Brian Fronsek. And so I want to join the youth ministry in thanking our church family for participating in that I was encouraged as I was out there with everyone yesterday because the thought that came to my mind was here's family helping family. There were so many that participated, probably most, that participated yesterday. They don't have a teenager in our youth ministry, but they love our teens and they believe in our teens and they were there to to play a part in their lives. I think of Carmen Dunn, who was there yesterday. She never played a game of golf in her life. But she was there. Why? She loves our teens. And she has a vision for what God can do in a teenager's life. You know, we accomplished great things yesterday. It was a great success. And as a result, there are going to be many young people who get to go to our summer camp this year who who would not have been able to go. But it, it really only takes one, right? What if one went that wouldn't be able to go otherwise? The Holy Spirit touched that life, transformed that life. He or she makes a, a difference in, in her home. She makes a difference in her community and God uses that one soul to build his kingdom and make a difference. It's what we're supposed to be about, building God's kingdom. And that's what yesterday was about. I want to mention as well uh, the Get Real conference that the ladies had last Saturday and the wonderful, wonderful reports I've heard from what God did in the lives of our ladies. I'm so proud of how our ladies are growing spiritually and personally and how they're being used by God to minister to so many. They continue their time of growth with the ladies' retreat this coming fall. There's information in the lobby about that. I hope we'll have hundreds of ladies go to the retreat. There's a lot to do here. There's a lot that's going on. There's many, many different ways that you can involve yourself in God's Word, in, in the study of His Word, and growing spiritually. There's many, many ways that you can involve yourself by serving, serving the Lord, by serving others, and serving our community. Through serving, we grow in our relationship with the Lord. I'm proud of you, church. I'm proud of the way you're growing spiritually, and I'm proud of the way God is using you to serve. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Man, we, we get our prior, priorities out of whack. We search for things that this old world offers that we think is going to help us and bring us contentment and make us happy, and that's found in a relationship with Jesus Christ when He's the priority of our life. When we put him as number one, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, happy Mother's Day to all of you who have a mother and to all of you who are mothers. 
I have prayed fervently that mothers in our services today would feel valued and honored. And I do want to speak to Mother's Day today. I begin by something I found on the web. It's an interview that took place with second graders, asking second graders about their moms, how God made moms and questions like that. One question that was asked to the second graders was, why did God make mothers? Well, she's the only one who knows where the scotch tape is. Another said, mostly just to clean the house, to help us out, to help us out of there when we were getting born. <laughs> Second graders. How did God make mothers? He used dirt, just like for the rest of us. There was magic plus superpowers and a lot of stirring. God made my mom just the same way he made me. He just used bigger parts. What ingredients are mothers made of? One second grader said, God makes mothers out of clouds and angel hair and everything nice in the world and a little dab of mean. <laughs> Another second grader said, well, they got their start from men's bones. Then they mostly just use string, I think. They were asked, why did God give you your mother and not some other mom? One very intelligent second grader said, because we're related. <laughs> Another second grader said, because God knew she likes me a lot more than other people's moms like me. <laughs> what kind of little girl was your mom? I don't know. I wasn't there, but my guess is she was pretty bossy. Another said, well, some say she used to be nice. What did your mom need to know about your dad before she married him? His last name. <laughs> she had to know his background. Like, was he a crook or does he get drunk on beer? She had to know, does he make at least $800 a year? <laughs> Why did your mom marry your dad? My dad makes the best spaghetti in the world, and my mom eats a lot. <laughs> Another second grader said she got too old to do anything else with him. My grandma said mom didn't have her thinking cap on. <laughs> Who's the boss at your house? Mom doesn't want to be the boss, but she has to because dad's such a goofball. <laughs> Who's the boss at your house? My mom. You can tell by my room inspection. She sees stuff everywhere, like under the bed. Who's the boss at your house? I guess my mom is, but only because she has a lot more to do than my dad. What's the difference between moms and dads? Moms work at, moms work, at work and work at home, and dads just go to work. Moms know how to talk to teachers without scaring them. Dads are taller and stronger, but moms have all the real power, because that's who you go to to ask if you can sleep over at a friend's house. What does your mom do in her spare time? Mothers don't do spare time. To hear her tell it, she pays bills all day long. What would it take to make your mom perfect? On the inside, she's already perfect. Outside, 
maybe some kind of plastic surgery. <laughs> if you could change one thing about your mom, what it would it be? She has this weird thing about me keeping my room clean. I'd get rid of that. I'd make my mom smarter. Then she would know it was my sister who did it and not me. And I would like for her to get rid of those invisible eyes in the back of her head. <laughs> Moms have great, great value and deserve, are deserving of honor. They're daycare workers, they're teachers, they're shuttle drivers, they're housekeepers, they're cooks, they're CEOs, they're nurses, they're general maintenance workers. A survey done in 2005 revealed that stay-at-home moms should earn an annual salary of $133,000 a year. They have great value. And I want you to know that I know some churches don't really spend a lot of time celebrating moms and honoring moms. I think it's right and it's good that we as a church continue to honor mothers as Ira mentioned earlier, I, I think also that we should thoughtfully and lovingly acknowledge the pain and grief and sorrow that this day causes many people. Some whose mothers have passed away, some whose mothers have, some mothers here who have lost a child. There are those here who've really never known the love of a mother. Single moms and that very extra heavy burden that they carry with them. There are those here who desperately want to be a mom, but for some reason can't be. For all who find this a difficult day, I want you to know that you're not alone in your journey. I'm glad that you're here. You're part of this family, and you are loved, and you're prayed for here at Avalon Church, and there are practical ways that we can walk this journey with you, and we're here to do that with you. While we desire to honor mothers on this day, I also want you to know that our focus here at Avalon Church will always be on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is because that's where we find our identity. That's, that's how we know who we are. That's how we know direction in our lives. Our identity is in Jesus. It's not in relationships. It's not in the success. Our identity as moms is not in the success or failure of our children. It's not in our relationships with our own mothers, as important as that is. Our focus here is on the Lord Jesus. I want to share with you a passage of Scripture this morning that I think points that out. Jesus is our identity. Jesus loves us. Jesus involves himself in our lives. He's not a God who's way up there somewhere just looking over us, but he intricately involves himself in our lives. And I want to suggest maybe especially in the lives of moms and dads who were bringing up children, he offers direction and guidance. He offers wisdom. He offers patience. He offers really all that we need to be the kind of parents that he would want us to be. 
moms who, who are willing to, to commit themselves to the Lord, to focus on the Lord, to get their strength from the Lord, to get their guidance and direction from the Lord, are moms who will raise kids who will want to know and serve the Lord. I see a case of that in the Scripture the book of 1 Samuel in the first chapter, it's the story of Hannah and Samuel. It's the story of how God involved himself in Hannah's life and how God was faithful in Hannah's life and how Hannah surrendered herself wholly and totally to the Lord and what his plan was for her life. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. Elkanah had a second wife whose name was Peninnah. And Peninnah had borne Elkanah many sons and many daughters. But Hannah was childless and she desperately wanted to have children, but there seemed to be a problem physically. She seemed to be barren. But after much prayer, as we'll see in God's word, God chose to give Elkanah and Hannah a son. We learn some things about being a godly mother from these historical facts, these historical facts of 1100 B.C. Hannah, Hannah modeled right relationships. I want to talk to you about three relationships that Hannah modeled. Her relationship with her husband, her relationship with her God, and her relationship with her son. And she models for us the, the, the perspective that we are to have on these relationships, and she models for us the practical application that we are to live out in these relationships, especially moms. But guys, listen, this is for us too. I think that men are key, are a key to moms being the kind of moms that God calls them to be. That when men fulfill their role as spiritual leaders in the home, it frees the mom to be who God wants her to be. The first relationship speaks about that. It's Hannah's relationship with her husband. We can read about that in 1 Samuel, the first chapter, beginning in the third verse. Now this man used to go up talking about uh, Elkanah. This man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, which is Jerusalem, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. He loved her through the Lord, though the Lord had closed her womb. And her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her. That is, Elkanah's other wife would provoke her and irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year. As often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provoke her. Therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? 
there's some things that we see Elkanah and Hannah sharing together. First, and this is so very, very important in, in the Christian home, they shared worship. Verse 3 tells us that Elkanah went to worship. Verse 5 says that Hannah always went with him. They were, they were very devout about it. They were very regular about it. This was an important part of their lives. They went to worship year after year after year, and every year they went at least three times to celebrate the different feasts. They went to Jerusalem. They, they, they went to where the, the, where the Ark of the Covenant was located. They went to be with God, to spend time with God, to sacrifice, to worship God. They were devout. They shared their experience of God. It wasn't just a personal thing for them. I cannot overemphasize how important this is in our homes, that moms and dads share together this this relationship with God, this, this worship that they have, this commitment to the Lord, that they share that together, that their children see that in them. I believe that our, our children will, will determine their value of worship, of church, of relationship with God by what they see in their mom and dad. They shared worship And they shared love. Verse 5 talks about how Elkanah loved Hannah. They really loved one another. They shared the love of, of kindness and of thoughtfulness and the love of sacrifice and the love of honoring one another. His love for her was her security. His love for her was brought her to a place of security that freed her up to be the kind of mom, the kind of woman that God has called her to be. We ought to work on developing our love for our spouses. We ought to invest in one another. And that ought to be something, listen, that ought to be something that takes place in our lives whether or not we feel like it. It ought to be a discipline and I'm going to invest in my in my children's mother and my children's father Jesus is teaching in Matthew and he says where your treasure is there will your heart be also I take that to mean that that what you invest in you will love where your treasure is there will your heart be also you want to grow in your love for your mate invest in them even if you don't Feel like it. God will grow you in your love for your mate. It's the way Christ loves the church. I'm going to love you no matter what. And that's how we're called to love our spouses. They worshiped together. They shared love together. And they communicated their feelings. I think it's interesting that this is preserved for us in Scripture that Hannah's husband would come to her and he'd say, Hannah, what's going on? Talk to me. Why are you crying? Why aren't you eating? Why are you so sad? Are you not able to, to see what, how God has blessed you? Are you not able to, to worship with me? Are you not a, tell, tell me what's going on. They had this transparent communication with one another. Husbands, we have to work on this. 
We have to do a better job of this. We have to learn how to do this. Our wives need to talk to us. So turn the TV off and spend some time with your wife and talk and be open and be honest and be transparent. I think we ought to do whatever it takes to practice this. This is a a relationship that we see Hannah modeling in her life. A relationship with, with her husband. A relationship where they worship together. A relationship where their love for one another was was, was, was clear, it, it, it was seen, it was manifest in one another by the way they treated one another. And it, was, and it was modeled for us in the way they communicated. Hannah's a model in our relationship with our spouse, but she's also a model in our relationship with God. 1 Samuel 1, verses 11 through 15 Hannah made a vow. She vowed a vow and she said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all of the days of his life and no razor shall touch his head. And she continued praying before the Lord. Eli observed her mouth. Eli was the priest. She was there in the temple. She was praying. Hannah was speaking in her heart only. Her lips moved, and her vo- but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. Eli said to her, how long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, no, Lord, I, I am a woman troubled in my spirit. I've drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I've been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman for All along, I've been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. And then Eli answered. He said to her, go in peace. The God of Israel grant your petition that you you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. And then the woman went her way, ate, and her face was no longer sad. All throughout this scripture, really, you can see the kind of relationship that Hannah has with her God. She had a deep, deep desire to please God. I think, listen, I think that that we see this in the fact that she wanted a child for the right reason. And the reason that she gives us in this passage of Scripture is she wanted a child so that she could give that child back to God. So that she could dedicate that child to God. So that she could train and mold that child for use by God. She desired to use a child to honor God. God. It was why she so desperately wanted a child. She had a deep desire to please God, and she was a woman of prayer. I love in verse 12 where it says she continued to pray. She kept on praying. She had a consistent prayer life. She had a relationship with God, an interaction with God, a communication with God. It was open, it was honest, and it was often. She cried out to him, We should develop our prayer lives that way. She understood God's sovereignty. She understood God's power, his providence. She understood that he was the source of children, that all good gifts come from him, and that children are a good gift, a perfect gift. She went to the source of children. 
her prayer in chapter 2, verses 1 through 10, is all about her understanding that God is the one who holds all power in his hands. That God is the one who lifts up, puts down. She prayed. She was a woman of prayer and she had a deep desire to please God. She modeled a relationship for us with her God. She was a woman of commitment and priority. In verse 11, she made a vow to the Lord to give her son back to him. So what we do when we, we celebrate baby dedication here at Avalon Church, it's a call to dads and moms to dedicate their child to the Lord and to dedicate themselves to bringing up that child in the ways of the Lord. This is another part of her modeling her relationship with God, she was a woman of commitment. We use a term around here, casual Christianity. There was nothing about Hannah's relationship with God that was casual. And Hannah demonstrated a pure heart. Her motivation was right. Verses 12 through 15 teach us that Hannah not only desired to please God with her life, Verse 18 says, she so desired that she would find favor in God's eyes, that God would be pleased. See, look, that's important. Wanting, desperately wanting a child so that you can give that child to God, so that you can raise that child to know, love, and serve God, can only come out of a pure heart. A pure heart speaks to why we do what we do. We should examine ourselves. I think it's, I think it's important that, that we know that God desires us to come to him, to bring our own desires to him. God wants to, to, to use those things in our life to put his power on display. He wants to use those things in our life so that we might experience his love and his involvement. He wants to use those things in our life, but we must come to him with a pure heart as we see Hannah doing. Hannah was a woman of praise. This prayer that she prays in chapter 2 is a prayer of praise. It's a prayer of thanking God for blessing her with a son. She modeled a right relationship with her husband. She modeled a right relationship with her God. And she modeled a right relationship with her son, Samuel. First Samuel, verses 21 through 24. The man Elkanah and all of his house went up to offer, the, offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and to pay his vow as he, as he did every year. But Hannah did not go up. God had blessed her with this son. And she said to her husband, as soon as the child is weaned, I will bring him so that he may appear in the presence of the Lord and dwell there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only may the Lord establish his word. And so the woman remained and nursed her son until she had weaned him. And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her, along with, her three-year-old, along with a three-year-old bull, an ephah, a flower, a skin of wine. And she brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. And the child was young. And I want to continue. Then they slaughtered the bull and they brought the child to Eli, who was the high priest. And she said, oh, my Lord, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence praying to the Lord. 
This child is who I prayed. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made him. Therefore I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is the Lord's. And Samuel worshipped the Lord there. Hannah dedicated herself to Samuel. Verse 21, Hannah refuses to go to Jerusalem to worship until Samuel was strong enough, was ready enough, until he had been weaned. Raising this son became her highest calling, her greatest responsibility, because that's what honored the Lord. Her only goal was to bring up Samuel to love the Lord and to serve the Lord, no matter what he did with his life. She kept her promise to God. She gave Samuel back to God. She fulfilled her responsibility. She raised him to love and serve God. Listen, there's some keys in this passage of Scripture. Moms for you, dads for you. What became of Samuel? Samuel was a judge in God's kingdom. During those period of judges, he was the last judge that the people of Israel had. He was a prophet. He taught people about God's will and God's plan. He was the prophet that anointed Israel's first king, Saul. Later, he would anoint King David. God used him greatly, greatly. I think so often, Ira's mentioned this already, I, I think about what God allows me to do. It really blows me away. I have no understanding of it. There's, there's, I, I, I forever will feel like that I'm undeserving of standing here in front of you. I, I just don't. The only thing I can think of, that the only reason that God would allow me to do what I do is because of my mother's prayers. Because I know how fervently she prayed for me. Because I know how fervently she wanted me to know God and to follow God. I know how she modeled that kind of relationship for me. I think the same could be said of person after person after person after person after person that they would say that their mom's influence in their life is the reason that they follow and serve God. I want moms today to be encouraged, and I want you to be honored, and I want you to find your identity in Jesus. Not in your children, not in your marriage, but in Jesus, with a focus on him, a commitment to him, a vow to him, a worship of him, a love for him, acknowledging and understanding Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, comes down from God. Happy Mother's Day to moms. You are to be honored. You have great, great value. Let me invite you to stand. Father, it's good and right that we take opportunity this morning to pray a prayer as Hannah prayed, just to say, Thank you.
just to praise you. This morning, on this day, we thank you and we praise you for moms. And we can joke about all that they do, Lord. But there's also a time to acknowledge and recognize their sacrifice. Lord, we can use words this morning to honor them and to value them, but you can do that a lot better than us. And so we ask that your Holy Spirit might minister to moms in this place today. That your Holy Spirit might give them a vision of what it means to follow you, to love you, to worship you, to teach children to do the same. Lift them up, Lord, through your encouragement today. We thank you for moms. We thank you for the impact they have had in our lives. We thank you for a day where we can honor them. So, Lord, bless, protect, provide. May we find our identity in you. It's my prayer in your name.